0: Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandro, the podcast for wine fanatics who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, we introduce you to a prominent woman and take a peek into her life, and of course, her favorite wines.
1: Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandro, and I'm talking with Kristen Stoller who is featured in Wine Country Women of Willamette Valley. Kristen is the co-founder of the Community Wellness Collective. Kristen, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for coming to my home, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here. I haven't been to your home before. You're welcome. So we've got a lot to talk about. First and foremost, I would love for you to share your wealth of history that your family and and you have to
0: this community? Well it goes back to my grandparents. Um, They came to the McMinnville area in 1974 and at that time my grandfather was uh, in construction and he um, he met a local winemaker at a wine class actually where you learn how to taste wine and he learned there that um, some wineries were looking for some buildings so he and my grandmother quickly became friends with the Letts and built um, some buildings at Irie. Uh, he was able to build the Susan Uncle Blosser's first tasting room, that family's tasting room with the famous architect. It's far too small now, so they have a new one. Um, he built some buildings for Adelsham and also uh, Rex Hill.
1: Okay, and you have lived here your whole life.
0: I have lived here since I was 11. I was born here and then my father was in the military so we lived in Greece for four years when I was young and then Washington and then came back to help out with family businesses and I've just been fortunate to be in the valley ever since.
1: In addition to the Community Wellness Collective, you are also involved in some other businesses.
0: Yes, I am. Um, My passion and love is dance. And so I've been the owner of Chehalen Valley Dance Academy for over 10 years now. Wow. Uh, Crazy wild ride. Um, I have two locations and I actually purchased it in 2009, which is just really in the recession. It was just insane. I had two kids under the age of two at the time, but I had a dream and I had an opportunity. So now I have the two locations. I've got 18 awesome dance teaching employees and um, I'm just so, I I love teaching dance and choreographing. Uh, I also have a boutique dance and athletic store, both McMinnville and Newberg. And then I'm involved in a lot of local nonprofits and on the board for a lot of things that impact my business, my family, and my community.
1: So I have to ask, in regards to the dance component, are you a dancer yourself?
0: Yes, I I am. I don't perform right now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why
1: not. (laughs) You you have a great shape and look like you could,
0: like, dance the shoes off anybody. Well, I can still do the splits and all that stuff. So. Um, I started dancing when I was 11, when we moved back to the community actually, and I found a second family. I found my confidence. I found that I could become whoever I wanted to become in dance. Um, I love that I could take classes with people who are better than me and older than me. I had a lot of mentors. It just was the right thing at the right time. And so because of what dance did for me as a, a young person through high school, kept me out of trouble, kept me focused. I had the dream of always having my own studio. If I could if I could experience this, especially in a small community, I want to be able to provide that for other people. So that's why I went through that um, process of purchasing the studio before I was ready. I didn't go to college or any of that for business whatsoever. So opportunity arose. I took it because ultimately my goal was still to provide an environment that empowered and educated um, kids in the Valley who might not otherwise have that opportunity. So I still get down and dance a lot. Um, I used to teach six days a week, but with a family, I'm now down to about two and get to offer the opportunity to a lot of my students I raised to be instructors. And that to me is just an even better gift that they can be at home with their kids and have a great job in the evenings too.
1: Is there a success story that you can share?
0: Well, we have many actually out of the studio. Our most recent one would be uh, we had a dancer on. So you think you can dance twice? Oh, wow. Yes. Her name is Bridget durville Tier and she has choreographed for us and she's just incredible so creative, um, just a force, and we're so lucky to have her been a part of CVDA.
1: Wonderful. Well, let's let's get back to the business that we're focusing on, yes. which is the Community Wellness Collective. Why don't you tell our listeners what
0: that involves? The Community Wellness Collective is a nonprofit that formed um, about just under 2 years ago it's in it was in response to a crisis our town was in we had 6 completed youth suicides in a 2 year time span um, we couldn't there was a group of us who had been working on solutions to support the school district and our community around specialized populations but on the uh, the sixth completed one really pushed a few of us over into wanting to create some sort of rogue solutions we looked around and assessed what resources there were and realized people don't know where to go to get help Um, people are hurting there's not a lot of open conversation there's a lot of secrecy and shame around mental health and it's not okay if we're we're losing our most vulnerable children because we're not willing as adults to step up and have conversations to join together. So I, the, my co-founder and I basically decided that we weren't going to wait around for anyone else to fix the problem. Uh, we grabbed a bunch of people who were really passionate and we started holding community gatherings where we would talk very openly about mental health and talk about addiction and recovery and talk about other uh, things that influence mental health. We started there. Uh, We also realized that we needed a way to access information that was easy and that wasn't uh, restricted to type of insurance or some sort of financial barriers, right? So we gathered all of the resource guides in the county, we compiled them, we edited them, and we created a comprehensive resource guide that we printed. We also created a website where you can go to see all of this information. And then we've essentially taken that goal of providing resource awareness out into the community, talking to civic groups, talking to schools, using our Instagram and our Facebook and our social media to change the conversation around accessing mental health. So in the last two years, what started as what we thought was just stigma changing, we've got a ton of grant support. We now have... Beyond our wildest dreams, we have funded outreach workers at the school to connect kids to social determinants that they need. So, food, housing, transportation, uh, mental health. We have two master's level therapists on site at the high school. The school district has just opened up their arms to partner with us. Kids who are needing therapy can get it free on site at school. There's no need for insurance. I mean, it we've gone from what we thought was just talking to really implementing powerful change in a short amount of time.
1: And what is that time
0: frame? Two thousand eighteen is when we technically started. Wow. So in a year or it, two. Yeah, maybe. just about our first our first real engagement was February of twenty eighteen. Uh we've held seven gatherings. We've seen over 600 people at those gatherings partnering with other groups in our community who are knowledgeable about the topics. Mm-hmm. We always have story shares because we believe if we're going to change the conversation, we need to hear the reality of a situation, a reality of what it really means to have a bipolar disorder or to be in recovery, uh, to be a houseless person. We always have those um, in order to open up the minds of our attendees. Uh, We're also advocating on a county level for services to be expanded and also uh, connecting with other powerful groups in the community to say we have to do something different. And so we also have seen, oh my gosh, 300 kids we've seen and served in our schools since we started the program of the outreach workers since February. So there's a summer break in there and we've been able to serve 300 kids with two people and help wow. their families. It's Febru- been February amazing. of
1: this year. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is amazing, for sure. How rewarding that must be, too. It is knowing that you're making a difference.
0: We are. That the numbers show more than we anticipate, but every person that we hear the story that we helped or engaged a student, uh, there are a lot of male students at the high school that wouldn't typically engage in self-help activities. And we have so many stories of, of providing hope and connection, and it's just everything. What are your goals for the future for that organization?s So we uh, have a spot at Newburgh High School that they gave us. We have a wellness center there. So we have an on-site uh, receptionist and an outreach worker. We've got private therapy rooms. What I would like to do in that space is host support groups, peer support groups, education classes, for the community and students that are free to them that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. Really right now it's finding those partnering organizations who are willing to hold those, to host those, and the service professionals who are willing to partner. We have some grant funding right now and we have a couple other corporations that have supported us as well as the community showing up as volunteers, but I anticipate we'll need funding support as we expand but right now it's uh, awareness I want everyone in Newburgh to know about us and also program development in the space and then of course I would love to be able to take this model and drop it into communities we're getting attention because of the collaboration of George Fox the school district Providence and the community all collaborating to make this happen and that's really what That's what we need to take into other communities is to show them how to develop these programs with collaboration.
1: Has there been someone that's been instrumental in mentoring you or coaching you through this business that's been helpful?
0: You know, I am very fortunate to have a lot of people mentor me in this community. Being a young business owner and being engaged really early, I've been lucky enough to have people like Lonnie Parrish who supports me and gives me feedback Um, I have uh, my co-founder Elise Yarnell who works with Providence she is I would say we teach each other and encourage each other along the way Um, but essentially every leader of an organization I'm involved with has some way shaped the way I approach something in a different way They've given me encouragement and tools and uh, they've built relationships for me. But I I would say because I'm in a lot of them, I'm lucky enough to have a lot of really wonderful people who believe in me. And I would say if you're not sure what to do or where to go in your business, I would 100% say find one to three mentors at least. I've been really lucky.
1: Top moment in your career so far?
0: A uh, top moment in my career related to the Community Wellness Collective would or, be...
1: Or any of the businesses that you're involved in. Something you're most proud of.
0: I think I I don't really like attention, even though I'm very outgoing and outspoken. So I, I don't... I would. It's hard to classify a top moment, but I would say probably earning citizen of the year last year for me, for the Newburgh, Dundee, Lafayette, St. Paul area, was incredibly humbling. Um, So probably that. On a lighter note, if you
1: could do anything, what would your dream job be?
0: My dream job would be facilitating difficult conversations in communities that nobody else is willing to do. I would love to be able to sit at tables where there is tension and there are barriers, and I would love to facilitate those changes, those bridges, the breaking of barriers. That's what I'd like to do and I'm planning to do someday. If I get paid for it, it'll be a wonderful. So facilitate difficult conversations, especially supporting underserved populations.
1: And that's your dream job.
0: Yeah, it really is.
1: Wow admirable let's shift things on to a more personal note oh boy you live in the dundee hills Mm -hmm. you could have lived anywhere in the Mm -hmm. willamette valley how did you choose
0: the dundee hills i consider this the dundee hills yeah i do too okay (laughs) yeah um we lived in dundee before and uh one two thanksgivings ago i i wanted to look at houses i was like honey it's time we need a few acres Let's look. And this house popped up and we came and saw it. It was a hoarder's home. It had been neglected. It was filled with boxes everywhere. There was extra furniture. It was it but I walked in and I love I love the location. I love the people here. I'm close to really talented and passionate winemakers. I I love feeling like we can go anywhere and we can be welcome. I have a family. Oftentimes I bring my kids where we go. We live right down the road from Longalow. I love it. And then Christina being my neighbor. But the feel and the vibe here is just so magical. And I know that's silly to say, but I just love being here. I've lived in Newburgh. I've lived in McMinnville and I've lived in Dundee. But the Dundee Hills are definitely my favorite. It's a far enough away from the city to feel like I'm in my own space, but it's close enough that I can get to great food and wine like that. So,
1: If someone took a step inside your home, mm-hmm. how would you describe it? How would you describe your decorating style and the colors and just your overall
0: style? Well, this is a 1973 custom home. Um, I love the, the large ceilings. I love the open concept. We've got the sunken living room with all the windows, really highlights the trees and the valley, uh, the big oaks, uh, very focused on like party areas. We love to host here. And then my grandmother had an art gallery when I was younger. And so I have all different kinds of art all over my walls and uh, I like to have custom pieces in the home but ultimately somewhere that anyone and everyone could be and feel comfortable. Is there a hobby that you have? A hobby. My husband and I love to cook together mm-hmm. and we love to go to concerts. So those are the two things that we do if we have time. And we, we love to try new things, go to restaurants, etc. I would say that I don't really like to do anything by myself. So I prefer to do things with friends or with my husband. Last concert you saw? Jason Mraz. And he was at the Arlene Schnitzer, and it was last Friday.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: what does he play? He's, he's a I'm not familiar. S- he's a singer-songwriter. <laughs> okay. And he actually has an avocado farm in California. Oh. And his mission and message is love and um, supporting women. And Oh, fabulous. I just love it. My husband and I both just love his music. Check him out. I will.
1: Is there anything that people might be surprised to learn about
0: you? Oh my! something
1: in your past uh, you have a hidden
0: talent um, I I think surprised to know my, my family had an independent rock and roll label when I was younger in, in middle school and high school and so as I got older I did a lot of work for the bands I got to tour manage and travel around with rock and roll bands and sell merch and do that kind of thing so that that's something people might not know about me any bands we might know probably not but floater is one they're fr- they're a local it's more rock um independent rock type of stuff like west coast touring that type of thing so that is probably and the first job I wanted to have when I was a, a young human probably like eight or nine is I wanted to be a secret agent and I don't think many people know that about me <laughs> <laughs>
1: wasn't that your dream job? Maybe it will be one day. (laughs) (laughs) So I have to ask why, why did you want to be a secret agent? What, who inspired you to want to be a secret agent? I I think you must have watched something or read Nancy Drew or something.
0: There had to have been something. I think I liked the, the rogue independence for justice part of it. You know, that you could go and handle situations that other people didn't know you were handling. And Later, it evolved into, like, you know, maybe, like, ninja-y things.
1: I could see you be, being, like, Alias, the woman I Totally I'm like that. Oh, yeah. Yes. For sure. Yes. yes. Like, Absolutely. You could play that part. Perfectly. Oh, thank you. Back to reality. <laughs> <laughs> We're in wine country. Yes. What do you like to
0: drink at home? Uh, at home, I, I like to drink Stoller. I like to drink Longolo. Um, we like Argyle and... Are you definitely a wine girl? Yes, I am. I am. I prefer wine, for sure.
1: If you could have dinner with anyone in in the world, who would it be and why?
0: Oh, I would have to say Michelle Obama, Oprah, Beyonce, One of, maybe all three. Okay, I'll if, give if you all can. three. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, for What would you ask them? I, I think I would just want to really be in their presence and and ask maybe about that shift. If there was a shift from their in their independent confidence to their projected authenticity and their projected confidence. And if there was any particular like turning point or decision or something. Because I, I feel like I've watched an evolution in them and want to know if there was any little thing there.
1: Where would you be dining?
0: I would be dining...
1: If you were dining in the Willamette Valley, where would you take them?
0: I would take them to the Painted Lady for sure. Absolutely.
1: Uh, Curious, what's on your
0: bucket list? One or two items. I still really want to jump out of a plane.
1: Seriously? I do. Do you want to skydive?
0: I do want to skydive. I've wanted to for probably since I was 12, and I thought I'd grow out of it. But I think I still want to.
1: You're not scared that parachute's not gonna open you're gonna go
0: splat <laughs> if i lived like that then i'd be afraid to do a lot of things uh
1: good point well are you okay with being tethered to somebody on that first jump that does make me a little nervous oh really being yeah. tethered to somebody yeah, i don't i don't know i don't know why oh see that to me would make it's me feel yeah yeah hmm. i no? don't know okay anything else on that bucket list
0: uh, i i love to travel so we're we're going to go to a bucket list item which is paris here pretty soon so i'm excited about that i have not been i'll need all the recommendations
1: absolutely when are you going and is there an occasion
0: going in december with my husband yeah and we're lucky enough to go on a trip with a company that a dance company so
1: so how about this question it seems appropriate what's your favorite song to dance to
0: I would say, probably my first dance song, uh, because I danced with my husband, and it was a Jason Mraz song, and I'm Yours. But I really love to dance to anything that's on. I love hip hop. I love classical. I love Frank Sinatra. I love pop music. I love techno. I love it all.
1: Where did you get your dance bug?
0: I Do you know? I know that there's none in my family. I was really attracted to the environment and I was really bad. So I think I got the dance bug from trying class and just loving the like growth mindset, hard work, and that we're all focused on getting better. And that became why I loved dance so much. And then it was how much self-expression I mean, I didn't brush my hair until I danced. I didn't know how like, I didn't know how to speak confidently until I danced. So that's where I found my love for dance was more in what it gave me, because I was definitely bad for a couple years at least.
1: <laughs> what kind of dance did you start with?
0: I started with like jazz and hip hop, and then ballet, and then some tap and lyrical and musical theater. Those okay. were the things that I did mostly.
1: I think what I really enjoyed hearing from you earlier about your dance studios and what you're hoping that your young students get out of it is t- that they are empowered. Yes, and that they gain confidence and and that it's not really all about just dancing, it's about what it what it gives them.
0: Yeah, our motto is dance skills are life skills. We we get a lot of pushback from parents or community thinking Why would you spend so much time on money on dance if you're not going to be a professional dancer? And to me, I learned every quality that makes me who I am today, most of the qualities at dance with my team and my teacher and through hard work and discipline. And so that's what we really instill on them. It doesn't matter what you do 10 years from now, if you can do the splits or not. It matters if you have integrity, if you can set goals and achieve them, if you can communicate, and if you can love yourself the whole time.
1: So you have children. Yes. Do your children dance?
0: Of course.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is that a requirement?
0: (laughs) It kind of is, but mostly because there are 12 teachers that they take from that get to impart on their lives. It's convenient, sure, but they all love it for their own reasons. I've got a 12-year-old, 11-year-old, and a 5-year-old, all girls, who are all at the studio. They all compete they all have their own second families there. They've got their own relationships with the teachers, and they're going to be in the Nutcracker this year. Oh. And my husband's in the Nutcracker, too. Oh, my gosh. Yes. He, he is a power tumbler, so he's my rat king in the Nutcracker. Oh,
1: my goodness. So I'm I have to ask, do you have a holiday tradition other than the family performing in the Nutcracker, <laughs> which seems potentially a new tradition?
0: It is. It's great. We love it. Um, I would say I always get us some sort of obnoxious matching outfit or pajamas that we wear every holiday season, every Christmas or something. That's gotta be one tradition that I, I hold dear to every year, every year, new item, jammies, sweatshirt. I make them all wear it. I love matching. I love matching my family.
1: And they go along with it.
0: They do, begrudgingly, but they, they do.
1: Well, <laughs> very, very fun. Well, we're going to wrap things up okay. with what I like to call five quick questions. These are lighthearted. Ready? I will try. You can do yes, it. Yes, I will. What kind of car do you drive? A Ford Flex. Who's your favorite clothing designer?
0: Oh, favorite? One of your favorite. Calvin Klein.
1: Okay. What's the last piece of candy you ate?
0: Chocolate something. Hello, Halloween candy. (laughs) (laughs) What is one of your favorite movies? One of my favorite movies. I love all the Star Wars movies.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. And last question. Who is one of your favorite actors or actresses?
0: Edward Norton. Kristen
1: Thank you so much for a fun conversation and for inviting us into your home
0: Thank you for tuning in to listen and learn about the women featured in our lifestyle books and involved in our business. Share these episodes on your social media platforms so more people can learn about Wine Country Women. Visit our website at winecountrywomen.com to join our list and be the first to learn about exclusive offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new episode of Wine Country Women.